Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Classroom to Copy. Today's episode is very special because I have with me a fellow Singaporean on the podcast who was, you know, she was just like me, uh, taught at the ministry, taught for the Ministry of Education in Singapore, and then now she's working in, you know, marketing and public relations. And I'm very curious about her journey. She also has a creative side as a singer, songwriter, um, lots of like creative projects on the side. So I'm excited to have that conversation with her. Zahida, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Thanks for having me. This is so interesting. It's still so weird to be talking about myself. But um, my name is Zahida. Um, I used to be a teacher in Singapore for eight years. And then I left because... I wanted to try something new while I was still young and while I was still employable. <laughs> um, I used um, well, I, I used to teach general paper, which is like um, the English language on steroids at the junior college level. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the teaching part. But if you are remotely aware of how teaching is in Singapore, um, <laughs> it also comes with all the other things which kind of can be, some people like it, some people find a distraction. I find it a chore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and what, what do you currently do? Um, I'm currently doing public relations for a tech startup in Singapore. Um, it's been fun. Um, the imposter syndrome is real. When they decided to hire me, I was just like, are you kidding me? Really? Why? <laughs> you know, that was my first uh, train of thought. Um, but, you know, a month into this job, and I realized that, you know what? There's a lot of things which I did while I was teaching that I could easily transfer to what I'm doing. You know, both the technical skills and even the soft skills. So if there's something that I appreciate, from my time as a teacher is this set of transferable skills. Yeah. Awesome. I really have so many questions. Where do we begin? <laughs> um, okay, let's maybe let's circle back a bit to so you were talking about uh your experience as a general paper teacher and then you said that, you know, there are things that it comes with things that some people like and that you find to be a chore. Uh, could you elaborate a bit more on that? Um, so I really enjoy teaching this subject because I feel that general paper is one of the rare subjects at the junior college level where I can literally use any topic under the hot sun and just say that I'm using this for lesson, you know. So it gave me an outlet to really talk about often, um, rate tape topics, you know, things like racism, things like even um, LGBTQ issues. And a lot of teachers would stay far, far away from that. But I thought that if I don't use that opportunity in my classroom to talk about these issues, then they will never talk about these issues in their academic life, you know. So it, it was fun to curate a safe space to be talking about such sensitive issues. But the most fulfillment that I get is when they leave that series of lessons that I've planned and be like, thank you for that, you know, like, thank you for doing it in a very respectful manner. Mm -hmm. And 
and thank you for giving me a different perspective about you know different issues not just within the world and making you know I I my students will be like. Well, it sounds like I'm praising myself. <laughs> really, my students will be like, "Oh, you know, ma'am, you you really showed me that there is room for us to think about the real world, even though we are so consumed by our preparation for A levels." And I think when I hear those kind of comments, I think I've done my job as a general paper teacher. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But but back to what you're saying about the other things. So that's when I struggle because that's what my personal life comes into play because I I have two kids you know and being a teacher you work notoriously long hours and you you know sometimes when you go through the motion of paperwork you go through the motion of um, just having to do all these little little things that that they say is little but in reality it takes like half an hour it chips away your time yeah I'm just like man, man like is there a better way to utilize technology? <laughs> you know, like we we are in the twenty first century. All of these things can be automated, but we're still not, you know, creative enough to do it. So, but that's not to say that I'm just kind of teachers like that left because I hate all those kind of things. Like I see the value, I see the importance in doing so, but after a while, it it gets to a point where it takes me from things like our time for lesson planning. Or reflecting how my lesson, how my lessons go, how my go, how my lessons, which part of it worked and which part of it didn't. So after a while, I just come to class and autopilot. And I feel that the minute you go on autopilot, that's when you lose that motivation to improve as a teacher because mm-hmm. you think that you know everything already. Yeah. Yeah. I am so sorry. So lately, my internet has been terrible and I've, I've i have a feeling that this stupid thing stopped recording i'm so sorry hang on um oh, yeah. wait is it recording <sighs> like i don't know why so I, i'm in tbisi and uh, the, when the weather is cold everything just oh. falls apart like <laughs> no power or something Okay, it looks like it's recording. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But thank you so much for sharing all of that. Yeah, I, I, I relate a lot to what you just said. Um, like the part where you get to connect with the kids, encourage them to think critically. I think I feel like I had that avenue as a literature teacher also. Um, but then everything else on the slide, like grading um, and like the paperwork. Uh, is, I think... Were you like a form teacher also? Like, oh yes, that comes with the territory. Yeah. But yeah. lucky for me, like when we see your form class is not as big as like secondary school, right? So we are looking at a maximum of maybe twenty five kids. But so people will be like, oh, only twenty five? That's so little. I'm sure you can manage. But I think my challenge was when you are dealing with a bunch of seventeen to nineteen year olds, the 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 issues get deeper and it gets dark really quickly, right? Yeah. So it also takes a lot of emotional toil on you. And when 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 I first started teaching, it was fine because I was single, I was unmarried, I had all the time in the world to deal with all of that. But the minute my kids came into play, I realized that I need to set that boundaries for myself mm-hmm. because if not, I'm. I'll be so spent, and that's where burnout happens. And I've seen that happen to younger colleagues of mine. You know, they, they quickly burn out. So it was, I felt bad because 
my later batches of students, I felt that I wasn't giving them, I wasn't there for them emotionally. But then I realized that, you know what? It's fine. You know, like, if you come to me with problems, I'll definitely help you because it's really the oath of a teacher. But if there's no need for me to, you know, actively chase you to ask you whether you're okay, then I would rather protect myself and give my time to my, my kids and my husband. Yeah. yeah, I think that's like one of the the biggest things teachers have to learn, right? Like, uh, because that we're always like torn between wanting to help everyone, and then but also we need boundaries to yeah, like for self preservation. Um, I'm curious, like, what yeah. what drew drew you to teaching, uh, in the first place? Oh, um, desperation. <laughs> <laughs> Like, um, in fresh out of school? Or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, mine was interesting because, I mean, I was doing the whole music thing when I was in uni, but I knew at the back of my head, it wasn't, I wasn't that kind of person being like, oh, I want to be a musician, I'm going to suffer for the creative pursuit of music or whatever. I'm just like, nope. I studied so hard, let's get a job that rewards me well in that sense. And then, so I knew that my music career was going to end at some point in time after I finished uni. So, and then my mom, my mom started asking me, like, hey, you know, what, what do you intend to do after uni? And I come from a family of teachers. Like, there's so many teachers in my family. Like, my uncle's a teacher, my aunt's a teacher, my cousins are teachers, my brother's a teacher, mm-hmm. my sister-in-law's a teacher. So, it, it, that career path was always lingering somewhere, you know? Yeah. And then I remember one day I was, um, I came through my email and there was this email by MOE for the MOE Teaching Award. And I was just like, you know what, there's no harm trying. So I applied, and then I forgot about it. And suddenly, like, a few months later, they got back to me, asking me for an interview. So I went, the long story short, they offered me, like, hey, teaching award, um, for your last final year of uni, you're going to get a stipend. Um, and it was pretty good money, like, in that sense, you know. And I was just like, well, okay. I mean, I get, I get pocket money now, and... When I graduate, I don't have to worry about, you know, about finding a job. So I was like, okay. And yeah, so that's how I became a teacher. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I was still undecided at that point in time whether I would like it or not. Um, in fact, yeah, in fact, when, when I finally resigned and left service, uh, my NIE batchmates, some of them texted me. They were just like, you know what? We're so surprised you lasted that long. <laughs> Hey, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, so, so for context, uh, for our listeners who don't know, NIE is like the, the teaching college for like we, yeah. that we all have to go through and, and study and get a diploma before we, we start teaching in like the public schools. So, oh yeah, so I'm really bad at math. I didn't realize that, so that part of your life where, you know, so I'm going to read out her LinkedIn <laughs> Winner of 987's Next Big Thing in 2012, opening acts for various international artists such as Boys Avenue and I can't pronounce his name. Uh, was part of the NEC's apprenticeship program, won Best Singapore Song at Anugera Planet Music 2011. So all that was during university, is it? Yeah. yeah. So cool. Um, this Okay, I'm, I'm trying to think of how I phrase myself. Because I also <laughs> had the same, like, when I was in JC, I was like, oh, I want to I study fine art, you know, uh, and I, I, 
I, I think I was a bit more idealistic than you were. I was like, I want to become an artist, but there's no way I can afford to like go to art school or anything. So I did that. The the whole teaching scholarship thing also. Um, I'm curious how how do you feel about being a creative in Singapore? Because both of us kind of had to okay, but we have to do something practical and let's put this aside, right? Like, how do you feel about being a creative in Singapore? Um, I empathize with the creatives who pursue it as a career. Because in the five years that I was playing music, um, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a career career for me. I was just doing it for fun. I had to do a CCA, playing music was my CCA. Um, it's really hard to get money. Yeah. Um, the corporate gigs pay a lot. So everyone wants to go for the corporate gigs, but there's only a finite, it's a finite resource. Yeah. Um, everyone wants you to play for free, for exposure. Um, and, but to me, playing music was a breath of fresh air. It gave me that space to just break out of the red race that I was in, you know, like, and that's, that's the value that that singing songwriting gig had for me. Mm-hmm. So, which is why, to me, it was like my therapy. Like, I was going through, like, literally some of the worst things in my life. I mean, for an 18-year-old, uh, so dramatic. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of it now. It's not at all. But, yeah, I was writing songs about it. So, it was very, it was like catharsis for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I really appreciate it. And, you know, if, if you feel better writing and performing music and get paid for it, to me, that's just a bonus. Yeah. But, as a UEI 21-year-old getting $200 for a gig of just playing half an hour, it seems like, oh my gosh, yay, you know? But as you start to, you know, you're reaching the end of the day, people start talking about internships, and you start to realize that, oh, no. And then, you know, your uni career talks will be like, all right, here's the salary guide. And I'm just like, oh, okay. And so reality starts to, like, I wouldn't use the word crash, but it starts to loom, you know, depending yeah. looming towards us. So I was just like, I, yeah, again, like, I knew at the back of my mind that it wasn't something I was going to pursue full, full time. Mm-hmm. And I think my mom would have, would have been so angry if I'd be a musician anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, but again, I have so much respect. Like, I know people who, who still pursue it full time. Like, some of my music friends are doing it full time. And the, the, the the most interesting part is how they manage to pivot their creative side to something that's so practical that still allows them to be, still be in touch with, for example, music. So I see people who play music when they were like in their young, early 20s, but when it's time to get into a full-time job, they're now doing A&R for a record company. And they still get to you know, touch touch. Um, such base with music, and I just find it so interesting because I would never do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you feel that you had you went through? You said that your reality was like looming when you know you're like on the cusp of graduating, and they're like start exploring your career options. So what what was it like when you first left teaching? Like by then, so by then you already had kids, right? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was so scary. It was mm-hmm. so scary. Um. 
the thing is, teachers leaving service, it, it always comes out on Reddit threads, right? Oh my gosh, I love service, and here's my story. And they make it sound like it's an anomaly, but <laughs> I think there's something about COVID. Like, COVID really does something to your, your head, and people are just like living by the truth. Like, throngs of teachers are leaving service, right? Mm-hmm. And then I realized that as much as I'm scared, but again, if I don't try something new, right? so when I left service, I was 32 years old. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times teachers don't uh, teachers don't leave service because they know that the employment market, the job market out there is not very forgiving, mm-hmm. you know, because employers don't know what teachers can offer. So I knew that the longer I stay, the more difficult it is gonna, gonna the more difficult it is for me to get out. So it's either I leave now or I'm just going to be stuck there for probably being a very angsty, unhappy teacher. But of course, with that comes comes a lot of practical life considerations, right? Like, oh, if I pivot to a new industry, that would mean that I will have to take a pay cut. Like, does my lifestyle allow me to take a pay cut, mm-hmm. you know? Um, with teaching, I, I know a lot of teachers... Uh, they, they, they say that, oh, I bring marking home and all those kind of things. But I like to give myself credit that when I was teaching, I was very good at not bringing work home. Um, I'm the sort of person where when I enter a situation, I will analyze and I'll be like, okay, how can I make this most efficient so that I don't have to do work? I mean, at the crux of it is laziness, but, you know. When no la. <laughs> <laughs> it's called being smart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just too lazy man. when I'm at home I just want to browse through TikTok so, um, <laughs> but yeah so I, I think I managed to find to crack the code somewhere somehow in my in my fourth year or fifth year of teaching so it wasn't a situation where oh, I was working extremely long hours in fact I was always like okay by 3pm I was more or less done mm-hmm. you know so I had that space to kind of do my thing as well so, and so when I, and I knew that if I were to leave that, that would mean that I'll be working like 8 to 5. And it's not just day to day, right? We're talking about holidays, you know, your December. Are you okay with not having six weeks of break, you know, kind of thing? Yeah. And so it's, it's a huge lifestyle change in that sense. Um, but I told my husband that, you know what, let me just try this out. Because if I don't try, then I will never know. And also, the the beautiful thing about teaching, at, especially when you're a general paper teacher, is that the demand is always there. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate to sound like I am taking this for granted, but I do know that if this PR writing, whatever that I'm, journey that I'm on, right, it doesn't work out, I know that there will always be a place for me to go back to teaching, whether it's in the government schools or whether it's in the shadow industry, which is just tuition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not worried. So there's always that safety net. And mm-hmm. it's nice. It's nice to have that safety net to be able to then explore and try new things. So, yeah. So I, I just told myself, like, let's just do it. Let's just... When I threw in my letter, well, it was not a letter, it was an email. I was just like... It just... My entire body is like... I just sat there in front of my laptop. Like, all right, I need a moment. <laughs> I can't believe I just... but yeah yeah i'm happy i'm happy i did Mm -hmm. um was there 
so it sounded like you you were already being very like efficient with your workload and very assertive with your boundaries before you even left. Um, was there like a like a, a turning point, you know, like a point of no return where you're like, okay, I'm doing this, like an event that that actually triggered the action, or it was just something else. <laughs> I think. Was thinking about it. At, at, to be honest, at the fifth year mark, I was, I was feeling very unsettled, mm-hmm. and I thought that oh maybe I've been too I spent too long in this school. Maybe it's a school thing, which is why I changed school, mm-hmm. right? So I was just like, oh, maybe it's just a school thing. What if I put in a different environment? So I was like, oh okay, let's go to a different different the top school in Singapore. It's a whole different ball game. And then COVID happened, so like. All the things that we know about school activities, like it just went away, and then and then teaching became a new thing. Like it just felt like I was starting from ground zero. So at the fifth year mark, I was really feeling it, and then COVID happened. And COVID was nice because like all the activities were scaled back. It was pretty chill. So I would say that the first two years that I was in RI, Raffles Institution, I f- I was cruising. Mm-hmm. And then my third year when the government lifted all the bans, right, I think the bans were lifted almost overnight. So when they made the announcement, right, the next morning when I came to school, there was a big meeting, I remember, and suddenly the principal was just like, all right, let's go. And then it just shifted gears overnight. And I was like, what's going on? Why am I suddenly everywhere? You know? And so CCA started, school events started. I was suddenly finding myself in like so many meetings planning for so many different things. And I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No easing into this. We're just really going to go 100%. And I feel that it's like running. Like you haven't ran for so long, right? And then you suddenly start to go on a sprint. You, you, it, it really takes a toll on you. I think to answer your question, the defining moment was when um, it was 2 a.m., and because we are so busy, right, so when, when things got busy, naturally, you don't have time for marking, even though no matter how much I try not to bring work home, during exam period, it's always marking. So it was 2 a.m., I was in my dining room, and I was marking, and it was a poor essay <laughs> with poor handwriting. Oh, no! That's <laughs> <laughs> the worst, right? Yes. yes. And, like, I was so, and it was a Friday night, you know, like 2 a.m. Friday night, and I was just, I just threw my pen, I was just like, do I really want to do this for the next 10 years of my life? Mm-hmm. You know? And the answer was pretty clear. Like, it was a no. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, okay, love. That's it. Let's explore. So there's no dramatic turning point in like, some life event. I think it was just that. I think it was like a, a accumulation of just stresses. Yeah. And then this what happened. It was marking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when when you first left, uh, what were the the options you you considered? Or like, do you like take a break first before even thinking about any of that? Um, but I knew that I wanted to leave, but I knew that I didn't want to leave without a plan in place. Mm-hmm. So I was already on active job search when I after that 2 a.m. incident, the next day I was like, all right, time to revisit my resume, you know, blow off the dust of the cobwebs. <laughs> let's, uh, let's do all this and then let's do LinkedIn. And yeah, so I just, I just applied to so many random things, you know. Um, 
marketing, writing, um, I can't remember right now, um, PR. I think mostly it was a lot of writer jobs because um, I think the it was a low-hanging fruit uh, for me, like writing, right? So it was a good lead-in. And yeah, so I think after three months of like, just, I wasn't even actively looking. It was just like, you know, LinkedIn, there's an easy apply, right? Just click, just click, just click. Um, and then I remember it was a very, I just, any job that has that LinkedIn easy apply, I just applied. And then, so I think I applied for like almost 80 jobs within a span of like a month. Wow. And I think two months later, I, I received a call. And they said that, oh, hello, you know, you received your application on LinkedIn. I was like, mm, sorry, but which application? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was like, which one? So it was the most understated. So when they, they sent me the link back to the job, right, it was the most understated job um, job description ever. Uh, it was very hush-hush, very secret. But it was fun to go through that and then they made me do a writing interview, writing test and a bunch of interviews again. And, and then they were just like, alright, we're going to offer you a job. I was like, oh, 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 this is really happening. Oh, wow. And then I started panicking a bit because like, in my mind, it was always like, it's something I would do, but I don't think it's going to happen. So when there was an actual offer on the table, I was just like, alright, I need to make this decision. And yeah, and it was that job was like in politics um so my rationale was i think that job was general paper there's always that political element so it was not something completely new and it's writing and i'm a decent enough of a writer so why not so so again spoke to my husband i mean it helped that the pay was pretty cushy Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i was just like okay let's just make the jump so after i accepted that job i think two days later i threw in my letter wow yeah uh i know that you indicated <laughs> just not a job interview but I keep looking at your LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> so even back to your time in like as a you know doing all the singing songwriting you know you 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 had to market yourself right like you have to know how to yeah. promote yourself do you think you could talk about how all of these things like came together like your, your your skills as a gp teacher and then promoting yourself as a creative how did it tie into you know that like political communications role and then your current mm-hmm. role i think the part about so in terms of teaching right like the, the skills that i got from teaching it's not so much of the technical skills that i mentioned just now i think it's really the transfer the, the soft skills you know how you speak to people even though you may not be an expert at the topic you you you've trained yourself enough to be like let's do a quick glance you know what's the best most efficient way to learn as many things about something within the shortest amount of time yeah. so those things helped and then in terms of my past experience as a creative, so, I mean, there was the writing part, I mean, the creative part, but when you are an independent musician back then, you are your own spokesperson, you are your own PR person, you have to pitch to media, you have to do this, you have to meet media, you have to front interview. So I felt that my music experience allowed me to have like a 360 understanding of how <clears throat> the media play actually works. <coughs> so when I joined 
the job. So initially, it was supposed to be a writer role, right? But then it slowly transited to become a general comms manager role. So um, I wasn't just doing writing. I was um, I was doing strategic comms. I was planning for things, you know, how, like, here are the key messages. So how do we best present them? Which platform? So I thought that, I mean, I haven't touched base with that skill set for almost eight years, but once I was placed in that situation at work, it, the gears came shifting very quickly. So it wasn't like a fresh grad starting work, you know, I just, it took me like maybe a month to just ease into it and then I was running back up again. So it was, and yeah, it, the transition was easy for me because of my past experiences, exactly. which is also why my students ask me like if I have any advice for them post A levels because of especially for the girls right they have a long break for uni starts I always tell them go do something crazy you know like don't don't do the boring internship uh, whatever that you want to do you know like go pursue like you like knitting go set up your own home based business to do knitting so I've, I've got students who are like some of my students they set up their own home based nail salon I'm like fantastic I'm so happy that you did that you know mm-hmm. just for them to have a sensing of what it is to interact with people outside their social circle and I always tell them that feeling uncomfortable is growth yeah. and it's, it's important for, I think it's life-changing for an 18-year-old just fresh out of like 12 years of compulsory education to be feeling that way, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But I think that, and it's for the Raffles kids, right? Like, a lot of them want to be doctors, want to be lawyers and all sorts of things, especially the doctors. I, I told them, I don't have, I have no doubt that your intellectual capabilities are there. However, for some of you, I doubt your EQ, you know? So I'm just like... <laughs> You need to go out there, talk to people outside of your social circle, and that's how you can be a good doctor. Because really, like, you've been to GPs or general practitioners where their EQ is just terrible, right? And I'm just like, oh, you don't have a teacher like me back then, I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I think you bring up this really good point about how, like, I remember when I first left, I was, I was not, I didn't have as much of a plan as you. I just knew, like, I'm, I just wanted to be done. Um, <laughs> yeah, and but I I was I seriously procrastinated even exploring my options. I was just drawing every day, and I was like in denial of of everything. Um, because I I really believed that I had nothing else to offer, you know. Um, but you were like, as you said, on the job, like the, your first job out of teaching, you were drawing not just from your teaching experience, but even things from long ago that would consider to be relevant to yeah. the yeah. next stage of our careers can come back into play. Uh, and and uh, just saying this to like maybe give some courage to whoever's listening and who thinks who maybe was like as low as I was like that and thought that there's nothing else that we can do. Like, you know, going all the way back to Zahida's experience, you know, as a musician and having to promote herself and then using that in a political communications role, right? That's that's incredible. Um what about like your your current role? How how did you uh, come across it, and like what what is it that you do right now? Um, so I I do public relations for a tech startup now. Um, it's a Singapore company, but um, its main markets are not in Singapore. It's actually a pretty global company. Um, the 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 challenge here is that 
it's a tech product, right? Mm-hmm. But um, how do we then humanize a tech product? Because I cannot keep, you know, it's like an iPhone, right? It's, it's a tech product, but why, why do people resonate so much with an iPhone, you know? Yeah. So I think I enjoy what I'm doing right now. It's because it's a, a new challenge mm-hmm. where, like, how do, I, how do I make something so cold become relatable you know and the key messages especially when you're a startup is all about profit and revenue and from a consumer perspective and especially if the business objective is to get new people to download your stuff it's they need to resonate with the values they need to resonate with the story and as much as people want to sell the product another part of this is how do we craft angles you know, for the consumer. So, like, my role is to deal with the media crafting, pitching stories to the tech media. Sure, they are interested in all the tech's boring stuff, but I find it boring. <laughs> um, but m- m- the other aspect of my job is also how do I craft a story out of a seemingly cool product. So that's where, that's where I get to stretch my creative muscles a bit. And, yeah, so I really... I. I draw inspiration from, I was just telling my teammates, I draw a lot of inspiration from K-pop, mm-hmm. like the industry, not much of the song, because I, I find that as an industry, K-pop is so fascinating, you know, like how the rise of K-pop is so interesting to me. And yeah, so I I do a deep dive and I'm just like, oh, okay, let's try to adopt this into here. Let's try to adopt this into there. And yeah, it's been fun. That is so cool. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned this before we hit record or after. Um, you know, you said that you were really pleasantly surprised uh, to get this role. Um, and you mentioned imposter syndrome. Uh, but mm-hmm. you really sound like you know what you're talking about. I don't know anything about public relations. <laughs> you know, so like I don't know what what you mean by imposter syndrome. Like, do you want to like walk us through that experience of? applying and then like, getting the role. <laughs> my imposter syndrome is really more of because when I came in I only technically have two years of comms experience you know, prof- like if you look at my CV but then I came in as an assistant manager so I'm already expected to leave the team but then so when and across my organization, the marketing comms team is pretty flat. So everyone can come to each other. We are helping each other out on projects. So I have like the younger executives coming in like, hey, how do I do this? And in my mind, I'm just like, girl, I don't know either. <laughs> I'm just like, use chat GPT, I don't know. <laughs> you know? So, and then it's, it's moments like that when they, they come asking me for like help or solutions. And I'm just like, I'll get back to you on that. And then, I'm like on Google, like trying to make some sense. And that's where my transferable skills from being a teacher, right? Because like sometimes when you're put in the spot in class when they ask you questions, yes. and you just have to think something on the spot. And I'm just like, yeah, 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 give me five minutes, yeah. So it's all making that mental connection from the information. And yeah, so the the imposter syndrome is there and and my and I feel that sometimes my boss my head thinks too highly of me because she ropes me into all these like big meetings with different stakeholders and I'm just like why am I here? (laughs) Like why? Why do you see the need for me to be here? Because I have no idea half of the jargon that they're using but then I'm just like yeah and then I decide googling what jargon (laughs) means 
<laughs> so the imposter syndrome can come quite jarringly in that thing. But that's not to say I don't know what I'm doing. But it's yeah. just that there are certain things, certain situations when it happens. Uh. Yeah. How so? How did you like um? How did you move on from like the political comms role to like this role? Like, what was your job、um, search and like the interview? Like, I think with my previous job,、um, I I remember having this conversation with my ex boss, saying that, hey, you know, I I want to learn as much as I can within the shortest period of time. So you need to throw me into the deep end of the ocean. I will struggle like crazy, but I will make it out alive.、Mm-hmm. So he really did just that. Like he was just like, you say one, ah.、Uh? <laughs> it was like project management, social media. I was like, "What is going on?" So the learning curve was really steep. But those opportunities it also made me realize what I want and what I didn't want from my comms career.、Mm-hmm. And as glamorous as Olivia Pope makes out political comms <laughs> to be, the reality in Singapore is very, very far, far away from Olivia Pope.、Mm-hmm. You know, I'm. I'm sorry, <laughs> you know. So, so I was just like, I appreciate the opportunities, but I think it's time for me to explore a different space while doing the same kind of thing. So, and then this this job、uh, came around. In fact, in my current organization, I didn't even apply for this position. I applied for social media because that was something closer to what I was doing in my previous job. But then you know, I went through three rounds of interview. I had chat with my current boss, and she was like, "You know what? I think you might be suitable for public relations." And I was just like, "Oh, thank you. Okay." And then I went back home. I was like, "What is public relations?" <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, so like, I, I, I was like, "Okay, let me try to find out more about it." And I think it was just happenstance where. Um, during the period where I was like trying to figure out what public relations is, I think um, I came across this TikTok. I think it was the time where Joe Jordan's um was going through his divorce with Sophie Turner, and I came across this TikTok account of this PR expert, and she was helping viewers understand which is a PR play, what is authentic, what we should look out for in press releases, and I was like, whoa. This is so cool. So I was, yeah. I I thank TikTok for giving me a bit more of enlightenment about what PR is about. I mean, of course, I don't work in that space, but、mm-hmm. it 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 really allows me to see to look at things from a more critical lens、mm-hmm. in that sense. So,、uh, I always ask this question because, like,、mm-hmm. I I don't have kids. I don't always feel like I have. I mean, any authority to give someone advice on quitting a job when I don't have kids? I always, if I find out someone's a parent, I'm like, how did you do it? You know, like, <laughs> like, do you have, you know, how how did you manage the whole career transition and like pivoting, uh, getting used to a new role, like while parenting two kids? Hmm. I think this is this. Job switch as much as it's a personal decision, I think for me, me and my husband look at it as okay. This is a family decision, right? So we came to the conclusion that for the next couple of years of our family life, he's gonna give me the space to explore,、mm-hmm. 
and he's gonna stay on his job. So at least it's like econs terms are separate subscribers or so even if there's like some sort of variation and in this case the variation is me, at least for my kids there's a lot a lot of stability in other aspects of the life. Mm-hmm. So I think that really helped that my husband gave me the space to explore. You know, it would be a different thing where I probably wouldn't have quit my job if my husband had somehow indicated that he's going to switch jobs because then the stability gone. You cannot have two unstable parents on the professional, uh, professional front. So I think it's a lot of communicating. Mm-hmm. And I think it helped that my kids when I mean they're not babies you know they are preschoolers so they are, this is a level of independence already and what I struggle most is now having to tell them what I actually do for a living <laughs> because it's so easy to say that I'm a teacher right mm-hmm. and they, they got it and it was especially confusing number one because for the first half of his life he knew that his mom was a teacher so now that I turn like for me now when he asked me actually what do you do at your job I'm like you know what I don't know either <laughs> you know <laughs> I'll be like mm. so with my kids when they ask me what I do now I just say oh I write I'm a writer mm-hmm. so that, that that helps them to in their own little minds to kind of understand a little bit about what I do and they struggle a bit with my working hours as well because my husband works in a school setting as well he's not a teacher but he so June holidays is at home, December holidays is at home. In fact, my husband made the pivot to join a school setting because of me. Mm-hmm. We were like, I think we enjoyed like two years of like, oh my gosh, you know, December break, you know, both of us are at home is so fun. But now when I left, like that that familiarity also kind of got broken, right? And actually asked like in the past December, they asked, actually, mommy, how come you're working? How come um Abba is at home with us? Um, but then you have to work, and then you come back home at you reach home at around six forty-five, seven. Because my our current arrangement is that they will have dinner, the three of them will have dinner together, and then I'll have dinner on my own. And then they'll ask difficult questions like, "How come you don't eat dinner with us?" So I that's where my struggle is when it comes to with this change of jobs, and it's trying to help them understand that it's just different. It's just, people have different types of jobs. Yeah. That is, I think it's so cute how you have to like contextualize what you do for them because they're yeah it's so hard <laughs> because um, like sometimes I I also have to take meetings like when I work from home I have to take meetings right mm-hmm. um in my previous job um whenever there are like parliament sessions so I have to like watch the entire like nine hours <laughs> yeah and then um so I'll do sometimes we'll do it at home and I remember this very clearly. Um, so apartment, a heated discussion was happening in parliament and my kid came to the room and my kid was just like why is he so angry I'm just like you know what I don't know either <laughs> oh that's adorable um, I, I know it's late in your office where you are so I don't want to hold you back for, for any longer you should get home to your kids um, <laughs> do you have uh, any advice for anyone uh, in teaching who's like on the fence you know and not sure what to do next, like any anything that you would say to get them off the fence. You know what's so funny? Um I when when I left teaching, right, I made it I, I had a social media post about me, you know, just explaining to everyone that I left. 
the number of DMs that I got from teachers asking me why and how and, and like, whoa, you're so brave. Was so many. So I've got like friends of friends. They're not even following me, but they just happened to find out that I, I left. We, so I was having so many private conversations on Instagram about, oh my gosh, you know, you're so brave. I want to do this. I've been thinking for the longest time. And my response is always the same. I'm just like, you need to think of your personal circumstances. So when I have discussions with like all these comments, thing I ask them is, are you married and do you have people depending on you? Yeah. Because if you do, it complicates things a lot. Then I cannot just give you advice and just say, quit, you know? Then that would be irresponsible of me mm-hmm. to say that. But when I found out that, oh, they're single, they don't have any dependents, I'm just like, go, quit, go explore the world. You know, like, why not? Mm-hmm. But when it's teachers who are moms or teachers who are caregivers, then it, it, it my advice to them is, just weigh the pros and cons. Yeah. Sometimes it's really not worth it also. I mean, it's not as easy. I mean, yes, people will always paint out um, leaving teaching to be all like, oh, the grass is greener here. I'm so happy. But I also know people who are suffering yeah. after leaving teaching, you know. Mm-hmm. And I always say that actually a good litmus test to see if the non-teaching world is for them is to actually go for the work attachments program. Now, OES work attachment program. I'm just like, go, cool, go for it. Mm-hmm. Spend, I mean, like, spend your three weeks of June holidays working at a different company. See whether it resonates with you or not. If it doesn't, then maybe just stay and try to change the conditions of your teaching life. When you change yeah. school, um, ask for a different portfolio. You know, there are many, many different ways around this. Mm-hmm. And I think, even with, I mean, let's face it themselves once you do it for more than five years again autopilot sense of comfort um even when some the school asks you to change cca you will always be meeting some some form of pushback right and so you need to judge and assess yourself like if just a change of cca already makes you so upset what makes you think the entire job change will make you happy Mm -hmm. you know because it's 180 change from your current life so i told them like to see whether it's worth it and the reality check is that you will be you will have to be ready to take a pay cut yeah does your financial circumstance allow you to do that yeah you know you have in it for that and that's very important because um like right now in the process of hiring i've gotten um a few a few applications from teachers and the job that we are hiring now is actually for executives so you know executives are usually for fresh grads so like a certain pay scale, right? And then this teachers who are thinking of career switches, they're asking for the moon. And I'm just like, you also need to do your research, lie, you know? You, you, you cannot be, you have to be realistic about such things, you know? Yeah. So it's all about managing your expectations. Now. Yeah, if you are not willing to, to make that lifestyle change, whether it's in terms of the nature of the job, your working hours, or really the pay that you make, then you might be better off just staying as a teacher, just in a different bandwidth or capacity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's super nuanced. Yeah. Um. Thanks for sharing that. Well, how? So, um, I know it's super late in Singapore. What's the best way? You know, anyone can listen. Who? Anyone who is listening can connect with you. You know, online. 
Um, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, sure. I, I mean, the initial my job is I get all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you want to have like a friendly conversation with me, then just drop me a DM on IG. Um, I may respond late because I'm so busy at work, but I will definitely respond. And I, I love to have private conversations about people and the circumstance. I mean, sometimes I do feel that ever since I left teaching, I become some sort of a life coach to different people. I was just like, mm, is this the shadow career that I was meant for <laughs> to be alive? Um, but yeah, it's 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 nice to be able to talk to people, and it doesn't have to be teachers thinking about mid career switches, lah. But I think in general, I've been lucky enough to to be surrounded by um, a social circle that gives me a lot of insight into the hiring process. Uh, into how the corporate life is like, and they give me good advice, and I think I I am in a better position to now like people who want to do mid careers, which is a bit more advice and a bit more clarity mm-hmm. to ask about their wants and their needs and their purpose for even wanting to switch careers in the first place. Yeah, so I'll drop the links to uh, Zahida's LinkedIn and Instagram in this post. Thank you so much. For staying late in the office to talk to us. This was so delayed. I think it was delayed by like a month, right? It's okay. I hope you're feeling better from from COVID, by the way. November was such a bad month for me. I was sick for like three weeks or something. That's awful. I'll say hi to your kids and your family for me, and have a great weekend. Yeah, take care. Yes, you too. Thank you. Bye.